Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Thank you for tuning in. Today I have Shelly joining me again. She was my very first podcast guest in last September. Shelly, I can't believe it's already been that long. I know. And she shared, you shared your story of your first miscarriage. It was still very new at the time. So for those listeners who haven't listened to her first podcast yet, it's a great one. Go listen to it. But she's been kind enough to join us today and tell us all about how your journey has transpired since last fall. So Shelly, thank you for joining me again. Yeah, thanks for having me. So when we left off, you were still pretty fresh with that first miscarriage, very optimistic, feeling good. Um, You had a bit of an action plan. Now what? What? Talk to me about since then. Let's let's get everybody filled in. Yeah, so I actually got pregnant right away again um like literally right away (laughs) um and I lost that pregnancy really early so it was kind of like chemical pregnancy miscarriage like I knew I had found out I was pregnant um was it before your miss period yeah it was okay and I um oh no sorry I had one period and then got pregnant Okay. And then, and then I, at like four weeks. It was or... like exactly four weeks. Oh, okay. Yep. So Ugh. I had found out, and then the next day, oh, I, yeah, I had lost <sighs> it. So it was, yeah. I don't even. I don't even know how to. The the emotions were still so fresh, yeah. um, that it almost kind of felt like the same thing. <laughs> I okay. Guess. Okay. Um. It, it, it kind of just felt like a, it never, it didn't stop. Like I just, it was the same thing happened to me and it was just like a longer grieving process of it. Um, and I think the hardest part about having that second one was more so a lot of the hope kind of went away after I had another loss. Well, that first um, one is always, oh, it was a fluke. It, exactly. It and the second one, I agree. The second one was the hardest for me because it was a bit of a pattern. Yeah, it was more like, okay, like, is there something wrong? Right. Um, or the first one, it was kind of like, this is so common. Like, you know, after, especially after doing the podcast, I had heard from so many other women and um, I was like, okay, like this, this happens a lot. Like I'm not the only one. And then Obviously, like I did so much research. You almost become like micromanaging with the whole situation. Like after you have a miscarriage, yes. I feel like like it's no longer like, oh yeah, we're just trying and we're having fun. It's kind of like you read everything, you research everything. And um once I realized like it's not so common to have two, that's when I was kind of like, oh gosh, like, okay, what what journey am I actually in store for? <laughs> So, wow. Okay. So you had that second one fairly soon, kind of just melded with the first emotionally. And then did you go back to your doctor and say like, hey, let's do some testing? Or did they make you wait until, you know, hey, no, we're going to wait and see if it happens again? 
What, so, what was your experience? Yeah. So my doctor that, so with the first miscarriage, I didn't have a doctor at that time. Can we just pause really quick and talk about that? And yeah. and anyone listening, if you want to um, contact us and comment, I, this is really curious to me because I've had this happen personally, especially when switching doctors or midwives. Mm-hmm. You don't have an established relationship yet, but yep. you need care and you need mm-hmm. help, especially if you're RH negative like I am because you need the Rogam injection. Yep. But so it, it's weird, right? Like, did you, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember, I think you went into the ER. Yep. With the, the first, first one. one I, okay. Yeah. It's kind I of the only the option because ER. there's no yeah. doctor to call. Yep. I was, it was a Sunday. Um, so I couldn't go to a doctor. I didn't have a doctor either that I had really like a relationship with. Yeah. 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 I, I hadn't seen one yet because it was still pretty early on. Um, and I went in on it was either Monday or Tuesday that I went in. I think it was Monday that I went in um, and I saw a, just a doctor basically um, at like my regular clinic that I usually go to. And um, that's who confirmed the pregnancy loss that first time. So then with the second miscarriage, I went to the doctor that my sister had gone to for her pregnancies. Okay. Um, and she had chatted a little bit with me about my history. And I had um, I had an IUD for like eight years. I had Paragard, um, which is like a copper IUD. So there's no hormones. And because um, I'm actually allergic to birth control. So I'm allergic to the progesterone in birth control. Um, and so I was put on Paragard eight years prior. And so when I went off of it, no doctor, the doctor that removed it was like, you're good to go. You can get pregnant right away. Um, and I did get pregnant right away, obviously miscarried that first time and then miscarried the second time right away again. So the new doctor that I saw, she was like, I'm like 100% sure that it's because you had Paragard. Like, any of my patients who have Paragard, I always recommend waiting three months after removal. Okay. Um, and sh- so she said it was pretty common to have miscarriages for up to three months because your body is still kind of like, like avoiding pregnancy. Like it's done it for so long. And so it continues to do that for a little bit. And it's almost like a toxic environment is the way she explained it to me, um, or at least the way I understood it. Um, so after the second one, that was then kind of, that kind of gave me a little bit of hope back. Okay. Um, like, right. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe that's an, the answer. So we didn't do any testing and she had mentioned like, it's usually um, when there's three losses, that's when they start to do testing, which I found kind of frustrating because yes. it's like, okay, so you just expect me to basically play Russian roulette again with my emotions and not have anything to go off of. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I kind of had, I kind of had hope that that was, that was the reasoning behind it. But then in, let's see, it was January 1st, I found out I was pregnant again. Um, and about a week later, so I was five weeks this time I had lost the baby and I actually knew it was coming before it came. I called my doctor who, then I went to a new doctor at that point because I had struggled getting in with the other one. She was just too busy. And I was like, with my situation, like I want somebody who I can like 
get in with. Same day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I found a doctor who I had had um, like a past relationship with when it came to like an OBGYN. Um, And so I really enjoyed him. And so I, um, I called him up and I was like, okay, like I know that I'm miscarrying. And he's like, what's happening? I, so my sign, this is really weird. And I wish I, I almost wish I didn't have this, but I get night sweats. Like really, like really bad night sweats. Um, I get it before my period too. Um, and I got it before both of my first two miscarriages. When hormones are dropping. Yeah. When, yep, exactly. And I think it, it, my BBT dropped and like, I've been told, don't check your BBT. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And it correlates with my, my night sweats. So when my temperature drops, I have really bad night sweats that night. Um, and so I called him and I was like, I know it's about to happen. So he's like, come in, let's do blood work. And we'll also do, um, like a pelvic exam. And so we did that. He's like, you look, you look fine. Everything looks fine, but we'll do blood work. And then he called me that night and he was, he confirmed it. And he was like, I have bad news. Like your numbers are going down. Um, and had you had blood work earlier in that pregnancy that he knew they were going down? I, I had. Oh, sorry, I kind of skipped that part. But yeah, so I had gone in to confirm my pregnancy with him. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So I went in, confirmed my pregnancy, went in two days later, my numbers were doubling. Um, and then it was the weekend <laughs> again. And then Always. Um, yeah, it was the weekend again. And then Monday was when I woke up and I had night sweats and I went in and my numbers had dropped. And then the next day is when I started bleeding. So. Okay. And that was. Yeah. Yeah. That was the third. That that was the third. Yeah. So now it's just, oh, it's just such a, um, you know, somehow I still have a positive, somewhat of a positive mindset (laughs) about it all. There's always hope. Um, Yeah, exactly. There's always hope. And um, we finally did testing. Um, which we did. So what my doctor wanted to do was he wanted to check and make sure that my fallopian tubes were open because my pregnancy losses were also early. Okay. Six weeks, four weeks, five weeks. He's like, I'm a little nervous that maybe your fallopian tubes aren't open and that you're having ectopic pregnancies. Um, and your body is just getting rid of them. And that's why like my numbers never really got all that high either my HCG levels. Um, so we did an ultrasound and he flushed agitated saline, which is like bubbly saline um, in, I think it's like through the fallopian tubes. I don't really know, but I got to watch it. And basically if like your uterus like fills up like a balloon and you can see like the bubbles and your fallopian tubes are open and we got the clear there. So my flu- my fallopian tubes are open um, we checked like a blood clotting disorder. Everything yep. was good there. Good. Um, we checked both. I think it was a, like a chromosome test on both myself and my husband okay. and everything was good there. Um, I actually played like a little trick on him. I called him and I was like, Hey, my husband's name is Matt. And I was like, so we got the test back and like, you have an extra girl chromosome. Oh. <laughs> he's like, he's like, what does that mean? And I was like, well, 
like it's okay they can remove it but we'll have to do in vitro you're just a little more girly than like the average man (laughs) he's like are you serious I was like no I'm kidding so everything was fine with our chromosomes oh my god and then pretty much I mean all the testing came back normal so now we are um trying out prometrium which I am it's a progesterone and I was a little nervous about it because I'm actually allergic to progesterone right you said Um, that yeah so that made me a little bit nervous to try because I completely break out in hives when I take progesterone um but he was like I think you'll be fine with this because I guess it's like the most like it's like the closest to what your normal progesterone in your body is okay or like birth control is more of like a fake progesterone type of a thing and that's what I seem to be allergic to is like the synthetic form of it okay um so so far I mean I'm six this will be my sixth night taking it and everything's good so good okay no hives that's a bonus yeah no hives Okay. Yeah. So you're taking so progesterone. So yeah. so they had they did all the testing. Basically everything's normal, which yeah. often yeah. is the case. Um mm-hmm. how did they determine to do the progesterone? Did they check your hormones or I mean it's a common thing they, and it's obviously helpful, but I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah. Um we didn't check my hormones. So my doctor's actually not much of a believer in it. And talking to a lot of other ladies, I have found that that's kind of a common thing. Um, He said, like, he doesn't really believe that there's any scientific proof that it works. But because there are success stories, he's like, there's no harm in putting you on it. So we're going to go ahead and put you on it, basically. Um, So, yeah. I mean, that's kind of where we're at at this point. And I, he, he initially um, had told me to take it after ovulation um, and then changed his mind. And we were going to take it when I got a positive pregnancy test. Um, but then doing a bunch of research on my own and just kind of getting like overwhelmed with it all and like almost like this last cycle when I first got the clear last month to start trying again after all the testing. Um, I just found that I became very like, I need to know when I'm pregnant, like right away. Like I need to know so that I can start taking progesterone. And it kind of became like super overwhelming for me. Um, And so I had called him up and we decided to go ahead and start taking it after ovulation. Good. So that I don't feel that like pressure to like find out I'm pregnant as soon as I possibly can right right (laughs) so okay yeah okay it kind of caught it starts to cause like I don't I have anxiety naturally and so like my anxiety is definitely upped since I've gone through all of this so first trimester if someone didn't have anxiety before, holy moly, it will bring really, on. Really? Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I, I do. Yeah. I mean, I'm much better at this point in my life, but definitely growing up had, whew, yeah, definitely had some anxiety and it brings mm-hmm. it back. Yeah. Holy cow, does it bring it back? So it's really good you're aware of it and you yeah. have, you know, ways to uh, deal with it and diffuse it, but it's a long it's it's a waiting game that first yeah. trimester the stress of it and then you think like oh no I shouldn't be stressed because I I don't want to you know harm the baby and then you stress about that and it's so silly <laughs> uh, I'm sure I'm sure I'm, sure. I'm, sure I'm going to be like completely 
pregnant. Um, and it's, it's almost like, so whenever I find out I'm pregnant, like, it's almost like I'm waiting for it to happen now, too. And that's like a whole nother type of anxiety. Um, like going to the bathroom all the time, like more than I need to. Absolutely. To just like, okay. Check the like, toilet paper yep, constantly. Totally. I know. Totally. I've been there. Oh. Yeah. So I posted on Instagram today uh, something I had just been talking to someone about. Mm-hmm. Really that after you've had a miscarriage and you get that positive pregnancy test, the joy is gone. Yeah. Like being able yeah. to equate a positive pregnancy test with a baby. And mm-hmm. I I hate that. I hate that for mm-hmm. myself. I hate that for everyone else. I I feel envy. <laughs> yeah. Other yeah. people like have that and then have a baby and I mean, is that kind of what you're saying? Like Yeah. You totally. see the test and, I, and then you just hold your breath. Exactly. And I was actually just talking with another girl about this the other day. Just I've met so many people who are in similar situations as me and we talk all the time on social media. It's crazy. Like it's so awesome um that I've made those connections. But I was just talking with a girl the other day and I was like, you know, I was listening to I can't remember if I was listening to a podcast or an audio book, um, but they had mentioned that the biggest, the biggest regret people have in life when it comes to the end of their life is that they didn't take advantage of the joyful moments as much as they wish they would have because joy is the scariest emotion we can feel because it can cause such heartbreak. And I was like, that is exactly what I've done with my last two pregnancies. Um, When I found out I was pregnant, I didn't want to acknowledge it. I didn't want anyone to even like talk about it. Like I just wanted to, you know, because I had told my sisters and my husband and I was just like, I don't, let's pretend I'm not pregnant because then that's going to save me from the heartbreak when this doesn't work out. You know what I mean? And I'm like, that is so sad that like we've just been robbed of that feeling of that joy excited yep um so I've told myself and this is so much easier said than done but that the next time that I get a positive pregnancy test that I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to celebrate it and I'm going to be excited for it because even this last one I did not um I didn't update my app to say that I was pregnant. I didn't because I was getting like the alerts on my Gmail. Like you are 12 weeks pregnant. You are 13 weeks pregnant. I couldn't figure out how to get rid of it. And I was like, I'm not updating any app because I don't want it reminding me. (laughs) So yeah, I kind of just pretended like it wasn't happening. and, And now I'm kind of like, that's sad. Like that's, you know, even if it does only last a short amount of time, it's still something to be excited about. I struggled with this and my husband would always say, but what if this is the one? Like this yeah. little one deserves all the love you can send it, not ignoring it. And I'm like, oh, you're exactly. right. It's so yep. hard, but you're it right. Is. Yep. Yeah, it's so much easier said than done. Oh, but it, oh yeah. It, I mean, if you can at least try to do that, I think it's – I think you're better off. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's my plan this next time. I'm like, I'm going to celebrate. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I hope that when we do the next follow-up, you celebrated and it's yeah, wonderful too. and you're holding a little beautiful baby. Me too. Well, thank you. Thank you for 
catching everyone up on your story and being so vulnerable and sharing it with us. Yeah, because, thank you so much. Yeah, it's so helpful to so many people, as you know. Mm-hmm. And yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you.